last Sunday, our first week, which was our first week of digital church only, I gave a biblical perspective on the COVID-19 crisis. Today, we're going to return to our series that we've been in for months on the book of Acts, but we will certainly apply to the passage to our current situation. This past Monday morning when I began studying for our passage, I read the first verse in Acts 8-4, which says, Now those who are scattered went about preaching the word. Now we're all scattered to our own homes, so how relevant is the book of Acts for us this morning? In the providence of God, when we return to the book of Acts after the crisis has intensified. First Sunday back, the first verse, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, so it is highly relevant. The early church was scattered by the great persecution of Acts 8. We have been scattered here at Woods Edge, each to our own homes, by the coronavirus. And I'm just reminded about the Bible. It is not only timely, but it is timeless. It is the unchanging Word of God. Now, here's the background to our passage before I read the whole passage this morning, which is only five verses. The end of chapter 7, Stephen has just been martyred. He's the first Christian martyr. And then we read in Acts 8.1 that we covered a few weeks ago, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, that first verse about the great persecution and the churches scattered, it is often pointed out that that verse, Acts 8, 1, is the converse or the fulfillment of Acts 1.8, the theme verse of the book, because Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. However, for the first seven chapters until this point, the church did not go uh, past Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. They stayed in Jerusalem with the gospel. But now, with the great persecution, for the first time, the gospel is going to expand out past Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So, it is true that the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 comes in Acts 8-1 with the scattering of the early church. And with that as a background, with that passage that the church is scattered, that uh, Saul is ravaging the church, Saul, whom we know as Apostle Paul, Saul was ravaging the church, carrying off men and women. Then we come to our passage in Acts 8, 4. And I'm going to read Acts 8, 4 through 8. So uh, for I'm just reading a brief passage this morning because we've got a lot to apply to our current situation. Now, I know that normally when we gather here, I have everybody stand in honor of the Word of God. If wherever you are in your homes or backyards or front yards or wherever you are, if you want to stand now, uh, be great to have you do that. Your call. Okay, so we're honoring God's Word. Acts 8, 4. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. 
And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. This is God's holy word. Now, when verse 4 says, the first verse of our passage, when verse 4 says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, that phrase, preaching the word, simply means sharing the good news. So the term does not mean that one person is standing in front of a crowd and, and preaching. It can mean that, but the basic meaning of the term is simply sharing the good news. Now, that can be done on a one-on-one conversation, a small group, in a large group, all kind of places. Now, certainly, all of the believers in the early church were not preachers as we think of them, guys like me. But everyone in the early church could share the good news. The good news that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and rose again. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. So here is the point of verse 4. We could translate it that way. Now those who were scattered went about sharing the good news. And that is exactly what God has called all of us to do who are Jesus followers. And this, in fact, is what Jesus said in Acts, 8, in Acts 1, 8, the theme verse I read earlier. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be sharers of the good news. Now, not all of us here at Woods Edge are called to be evangelists. Not all of us are called to be preachers. In fact, a very small percentage of us are called to those kind of things. But all of us are called to be witnesses. All of us are called to reach out to lost people with the gospel. What is a witness? A witness is someone who simply points people to Christ, sort of like a signpost saying that way. We are a signpost pointing people to Jesus by our lives and by our words. We point people to Jesus. We share our story. We share our story of what Christ has done in us. We share the gospel story about Jesus. Now, church, unless we are being dishonest about who we are, unless we are hiding that our faith in Jesus Christ is central to our lives, unless we're hiding the fact that Jesus Christ is the main, most important thing in our lives, uh, we will be witnesses. It will come out. It will bleed out by our lives and at times by our words. Okay. The passage continues. First, they're scattered and they're sharing the good news. passage continues in verse 5 by giving us an example of that scattering with Philip. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now, who is Philip? Let's be clear on him. He was introduced back in Acts chapter 6, verse 3 we read. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, will, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, 
a proselyte of Antioch. So Philip was one of the seven men appointed in Acts 6 to oversee the distribution of meals to the widows. And it says that all of their qualifications, they had to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. So that's Philip, and he will be seen later in the book of Acts, and he will, be, uh, will play a, a, a vital role in the early church. So verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now, Philip, going to Samaria, which was both a city and an area, it's a region next to Judea. Philip going to Samaria represents a major milestone in the gospel because for the first time the gospel is going out to the Samaritans. Remember, Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1-8 there to be witnesses in Jerusalem and then to all Judea and Samaria. Judea where the Jews, Samaria where the Samaritans are. Now, who exactly were the Samaritans and why is this event so important? Well, the ESV, English Standard Version, ESV Study Bible, says this about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a racially mixed group of partly Jewish and partly Gentile ancestry, disdained by both Jews and non-Jews. They believed in Israel's God and in many respects maintained their Jewish heritage, but were not considered Jews by those from Judah. Now, Parenthesis uh, for a moment, church. The single best biblical resource for you to own, for you to use, to aid you in understanding the Bible is the ESV study Bible. Maybe another study Bible, but probably the ESV study Bible is the best of those study Bibles. This study Bible will include the text of the ESV in the top two-thirds or so, and then it will include study notes at the bottom. If you only choose one resource to aid you in understanding the Bible, I would choose the ESV Study Bible. You can get it hard copy through Amazon. You can get it online. Okay, in the parenthesis, back to the Samaritans. We will not understand the New Testament unless we understand the deep-seated hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. To say that they despised each other would be an understatement. They were bitter enemies, and they had nothing to do with each other. That's why it was so surprising to the disciples in John 4 when Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, they just break in all kind of categories. Basically, the Samaritans were half Jews. From way back, they repudiated, though, all of the Old Testament Scripture except the first five books, the first five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. That was their scripture. Moreover, they had their own temple on Mount Gerizim. So they had a different Bible and a different temple. Those were big. The the hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans had been going on for a thousand years by this time in Acts 8. And yet, God is going to use a Jewish man, a hated Jewish man, hated Jew, a man, Philip, to bring the gospel to the Samaritans. So Philip goes to Samaria, no doubt led by the Holy Spirit. He's proclaiming Christ, sharing the good news. And then we read in verse 6, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. 
So the crowds were riveted on Philip's message. Now, no doubt that was partly due to the power of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. Remember, we read earlier that he was full of the Holy Spirit. All through the book of Acts, we see that, that uh, God uses people who are full of the Spirit. But also, they were riveted on his message because God was doing miraculous signs through Philip, as we see in verse 7, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So God is at work through Philip in a powerful way, both in deliverance, deliverance from demonic spirits, and in healing. The Holy Spirit was so strong on Philip. Many people had demons cast out of them. Many people were healed who were paralyzed or lame. So God was doing these miraculous signs, and that encouraged people all the more to give attention to what Philip was saying. Now, we here at Woods Edge, we regularly, of course, pray for healing Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, during the week. Uh, we've seen some healing miracles, but we want to see far more. Pray that during this season of crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, that God would especially pour out miracles in our midst, in this city, in our country, around the world. They'd pour out miracles for His glory and to bring revival in our, in, our, in our midst. Now, this past Wednesday morning, I was writing this passage, and I'd say about an hour later, I received a text from one of our intercessors in our church. And it concerned a young girl, three-year-old girl, Sydney Payne, that we had been praying about. And I've mentioned her on Sunday morning and a couple of times on a Wednesday night prayer service. And, and Sydney Payne, by age three, had already had a heart transplant and a bone marrow transplant. And it's only by the miraculous grace of God that Sydney Payne was alive, is alive. Furthermore, they, they have seen a, a reversal of an aggressive cancer that they'd never seen before. So the doctors had no explanation for, for this, but God was at work doing the miraculous. And then about an hour after writing about this, that especially pray for miracles, I received this text from an intercessor church who wrote this. I wanted to tell you the good news that we just received about five minutes ago. Sydney has zero dysplastic cells, cancer cells. Her biopsy, her biopsy shows that she has been healed. Praise God, He is the only reason. And about five um, exclamation points. So, yay God for that. Yay God for God's work at Sydney Payne. Let's be praying that God would pour out the miraculous during this season especially. Okay, so uh, the church is scattered, preaching the good news. Philip goes down. People are riveted. There are not only the preaching of the gospel, there are the signs, the wonders. And then we read the results of all of this in verse 8, the last verse of our passage. We read, so there was much joy in that city. And you can bet there was. Whenever you have the Holy Spirit, you've got joy. In Acts 13, 52, we will read this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. If we are empty of self... God can fill us with His Spirit, and there will be joy. Now, if we're full of self, there's going to be misery and heartache, and some of you are finding that out, that if you are living for yourself, 
to the extent that we are living for ourselves, we're going to find misery and heartache. But if we will empty ourselves, we'll live for Christ, if we'll uh, surrender to the, to the control and empowering of the Holy Spirit, then God will bring more and more joy. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So, wrapping up the passage, God uses the scattering of the church to bring good. What in itself is a bad thing? Persecution, God is going to use it for good. He always does for His church. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. We're seeing the scattering of the church, each to our own homes, you know, not throughout, but th not only throughout our church, but throughout our city, throughout our country, throughout the world, we're seeing this. And our prayer is that God would use the scattering of people to our homes to bring uh, people to Christ and to advance the gospel. Church, this pandemic is a great gospel opportunity. And on the one hand, I am sad about the pandemic. I'm sad for people dying. But in terms of the disruptions to us as a church and us as a people, I'm seeing this is an exciting time for the church because folks are going to be thinking about issues of life and death more than ever. And they're going to be more open to the gospel. And so church, I'm excited about the gospel opportunity part of this. So let me ask this question as I pivot and apply this passage. How does God want to use you and me during this crisis? How does God want to use us? Well, last week I introduced the phrase to kind of guide us during this time, trust God and love people. Trust God for everything in every way during this time. Trust God with all our heart and with all our soul, lean not on our own understanding. We want to trust that God has got this, that He's the sovereign God, that, that He's going to bring good for His people out of this thing. We're going to trust God that He will be faithful to us every step of the way. Trust God. But secondly, while we're trusting God, we want to be loving people because this is such a, a great opportunity. We want to love the people around us, whether or not they're family members, neighbors, friends, people in our journey groups, clerks at the grocery store, anybody and everybody. During this time, we must absolutely lead with love, not with fear, not with a critical spirit toward those who have different views about this crisis than we do, certainly not with condescension and haughtiness towards those who may have some fear. But we want to lead with love. In our passage, the scattered church in the first century, they went about sharing the good news as an expression of this love. What is that going to look like for us? What does it mean for us to love our neighbors to share the good news? Well, one helpful resource that is widely used in the church is the acronym BLESS. Now, this past week, Tuesday, I think it was, of this past week, on our Instagram, on the Woods Edge Instagram post, we had a brief clip of our movement's pastor, Guy Caskey, explaining the acronym BLESS. Watch this video. This is the Instagram video. Hello, everyone. This is Guy, the movement's pastor of Woods Edge Community Church. Just wanted to talk to you about such a time as this and how we can be a blessing to our neighbors. So we use this term bless in the missions department. We want to begin with prayer. We always want to just be praying for those around us and simply just asking people, how can I pray for you? 
then we want to listen. Listen to what's going on in our lives and really love on them well by listening. And then sharing meals is always something we should be doing in our families and with those around us to develop intimacy in relationships. Then we want to serve. We want to serve our community. How can we serve the people around us? And then, of course, we want to share the gospel. And I'm going to be talking later about some other tools of the way that we can share the gospel effectively. Trust God. Love people. That's what we want to do. Thank you, Guy. So this BLESS acronym, B, begin with prayer. Always begin with prayer. Prayer is the real work. Be asking God to give you opportunities to love people, to share the good news. Look for opportunities to even pray with people and for people, respecting social distance. L, listen. Church, one of the most loving things we can do is simply be good listeners. Let's talk less and listen more. It's powerful. People want to be listened to. E, eat. I realize that eating with people may be somewhat more limited during this season, but you may have some opportunities to do it in small settings. And in general, outside this Christ, eating with people is a rich way to express love, especially having me into your homes. S, serve. Serving people is the core of what it means to love people. Find the need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. They're everywhere. Find a way to serve somebody. And then finally, S, share, share Jesus, share the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We can have eternal life by putting our trust in Jesus to save us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Okay, church, let's all be alert and sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to share the good news and to love people during this time. Maybe, church, someone will even ask you, during this coronavirus crisis, you know, why do you have such a sense of peace about you and joy about you? And you will have the opportunity to explain, well, it's only because of Jesus Christ. Don't have to be perfect, but we can be real. So look for opportunities. Bless people. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve, share. Let's all learn that. Okay, let me give you a few examples in the next few moments about people in our church who are doing that. Here's some examples, and with most of these, I think we're going to put a picture up on the screen. Jake Prince, young man in our congregation, sends this text to John Harrington, one of our pastors. He says, John, we have a dozen elderly people and widows in our neighborhood. We are going around and seeing how we can serve them and what their needs are and compiling a grocery list to go get them groceries and bring it to them. We are praying for them as well, from a distance. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, I've got this kind of run of sneezing while I'm preaching these days. and uh, um, Good thing you're not here. Okay. What did he say? He said, we are praying for them as well from a distance. Also, apartment complexes have a lot of elderly, older people. They have food pantries. There are apartment complexes in our area that need volunteers to take groceries from the food pantries to those older people. And if you want to volunteer to take some of those groceries, email Jake Prince at jprince at woodsedge.org. Okay, that's one story. Second story. Also this week, someone sent me a Facebook post about Lisa Dalton in our church. Lisa wrote on her Facebook this week. She said, I wanted to make another HEB run. 
and it was about what I expected it would be. Everyone was doing the best they can to get what they need. I filled my basket with what I felt I needed and got in line. In front of me was a little old couple, probably in their 80s. She was using a cane, and he probably needed to be. Their basket had miscellaneous items in it as they struggled together to put things on the conveyor belt. She turned around to me and said, my nephew is so worried about us. He is in Austin. She then showed me where a dog had bitten her finger, and it looked terrible. Right then, the Holy Spirit said, buy their groceries. I stopped her mid-sentence and said to the cashier, please put all of her stuff on my order. The little lady turned to me and started crying. It was all I could do to keep it together. As I teared up, she said, which church do you go to? I said, Woods Edge. And she said, we have visited there before. I said, well, come on back. And I asked her name and if I could pray for her. She assumed that I must be a believer if I bought her groceries. It warmed my heart to know that we as believers can make a small difference in someone's day, even in the face of difficulty. For the record, I do not know who was blessed more. Probably me. Third story. Man in our church, Emory Bastidas, last Sunday was the National Day of Prayer, and Emory and his grandson puts a sign in their front yard that said, National Day of Prayer. We want to pray for you. It's free. Emory said that about 20 people stopped by during that afternoon for prayer. Way to go, Emory and his grandson, because who knows what God did. No doubt some of those people desperately needed prayer. Another uh, report that I got just this morning from John Harrington, he said three of us from my street spent an hour Saturday morning just praying over our neighborhood. We We prayed over every one of the homes on our cul de sac. Then we separated and covered the entire neighborhood. One of the guys said that he stopped at three homes because three times he felt overwhelmed with emotion to the point of tears. And the Holy Spirit wants our hearts to be broken for our neighborhoods. One of the guys that John was praying with, still, still write, John's still writing, one of the guys suggested that we hang a sheet over the garage door to watch Jeff's message Sunday morning. Social distancing, but spiritually drawing near. Another story I got just this morning from Michael Sanson, he suggested that we encourage our friends and neighbors with a chalk the walk. And he suggested that we write verses on our driveways like Joshua 1.9 or Philippians 4.6. Here's an example of Proverbs 3.5. I think I have his kids wrote that out there. And then maybe after writing that verse, as a family, walk around your neighborhood reading what is written by others and praying as families for each other. A final uh, story uh, comes from Colin Bates, our worship pastor, telling me this week about his father's new power washer. And he's so excited about the fact this thing had this big special attachment that allowed him to power wash his entire driveway in 30 minutes. And then he said with a big smile on his face that he plans to power wash driveways in his neighborhood this week. Quote, it's an easy way to serve others in Jesus' name. And so, great idea, Colin. Maybe some of you will be led to do that, even if you don't have one of those super-duper power washers. But maybe God will lead you to do other things. Maybe mow a yard, maybe wash a car, maybe babysit for an exhausted mom. I mean, that would be big. Um, maybe there's someone you can call on the phone and just say, can I pray with you about something? You pray with them right there on the phone. 
have you seen this week that when you reach out to people just to check on them, without anything else, just to check on them, either by phone or text, that they really appreciate it in this time of isolation. So seize the day on that, church. Church, this is the time for us to rise up and be the church. Empty of self, full of the Spirit. Let's look for ways to serve people, to love people, to bless people during this season. Now, one of the ways that we're going to be called as a church is to help people financially, especially with all this going on with the economy. Now, the reason that we give, first of all, is just as it's an act of worship to our God. It's an expression of gratitude for, for a bloodstained cross. That's the basic reason that we give to God. But also, it is an expression of our obeying the Lord because He tells us to give from the first of our income. And it's an act of faith and trust, especially during a fearful time. And those who are disciples of Jesus, those who are all in for the gospel, we are undeterred about giving. But there's going to be a lot of folks unemployed and underemployed around us, both within our church and in the community, and we want to care about them. Galatians 6.10 says this, So then, as we have opportunity, and we got a great opportunity right now, so then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so this is going to be a, a ripe time. We have already seen in the book of Acts, first in Acts 2 and then in Acts 4, when they had financial stress, that those who had more than others would sell properties and bring the money to the leaders of the church who had the big picture, and they would in turn distribute it to those in need. And so it is vital for all of us who still have income, to do our part to give generously to God uh, for several reasons, but among them so that we can help the people in need while we have opportunity, doing good to each person. So in addition to the informal ways that we are serving and helping people, together as a church, we will be serving and helping in the name of Jesus. Church, let me conclude with this. Church, we are at war. We are at war against the coronavirus the COVID-19 crisis, we must have a wartime mentality. That is, this is not a time to focus on ourselves, our comforts, our conveniences, but a time to look beyond ourselves to love somebody. Who can I help? Who can I love? Who can I serve? Who can I bless? Church, we got to love somebody. Now, please pray with me, and let's pray for ourselves and for our community. Lord God, we thank you for the Word of God. It is so timely and so timeless, Lord God, that just as they were scattered in the early church, we have now been scattered to our own homes, Lord God, and we want to be the church. We want to, first of all, we want to trust you, Lord, trust our God, and secondly, we want to love people. We want to love you. Lord, help us, help us, we pray, oh God. Help us not to give way to fear, Lord God, but help us to give way to love. Because, Lord, we know, 1 John 14, love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Lord, help us, we pray. Lord God, I need help, we need help to trust you and to love people. Lord, I want to thank you for the Woods Edge people. I love them so grateful for them. I thank you that they're just chasing after you. 
And Lord God, uh, even though we, we cannot be here face to face, Lord God, would you please put your hand of favor and blessing and protection on every single one, every single one. Lord, all of this we pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, church, we're going to take communion together today. And um, so if you have not already done so, grab some juice or water or something, maybe Diet Coke. Grab a cracker or a piece of bread. Uh, our team um, grabbed me um, Powerade and a slice of bread. And just I think they wanted to go beyond the normal just to show you that that works because these are symbols, nothing magic in them themselves, but they're symbols about Jesus, pointing to Jesus, Jesus dying for us on the cross. Now, as I remind you at other times, communion is never a ritual to kind of mindlessly go through the motions. God, God is not into that. He's not into mindless rituals, but he is knowing that we're physical beings, giving us physical expressions of our faith, such as communion and baptism. Just like my wedding ring is a physical symbol of my love relationship with Gail. Okay, church, Matthew, I hope you've gotten some bread, crackers or something, and then some cup. We'll do first the bread together and then the cup together. Okay, Matthew 26, 26, Jesus said, or we read, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Take it now, church. Take it. It's a reminder of the broken, crucified body of Jesus. So remember, as you're chewing on that bread or cracker, Jesus, he took on his body all your sin. And then, church, in Acts 26, 27, and 28, he goes on. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so, church, this cup represents the shed blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So take with great joy, knowing that the shed blood of Jesus on the cross took away all your sin. Take it with joy. Amen. Amen. Church, see yourselves. If you are in Christ, if you have trusted Christ, see yourselves as completely forgiven. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Christ alone has taken our sin. We have no fear in death, no guilt in life, no fear in death. We're safe forever in the love of God. And if you have never, if you're listening to me now, and if you have never put your trust in Christ as Savior, oh, do so now. Do so now. It is the best thing you could ever do. Because Jesus Christ loves you, and he came to this earth to die on a cross for your sins. Just breathe a prayer right where you're sitting or right where you're standing. Something like this, maybe. Jesus I need a Savior. Come and save me. Come and save me. And He will. He just did. If you prayed that prayer, please email us on our website. Let us know so we can get you some information for follow-up. Now, church, let me wrap up our service this morning by just reminding you, just communicating a few things to you. Uh, I already mentioned it in my message this morning, but please keep giving to God here at your church home. We need you. 
Besides the giving and the help of needy people around us, we've got ongoing expenses. We've got ministry staff here and overseas, and there'll be more financial needs in our church. You can go to woodsedge.org forward slash give to give through PushPay, or you can give through our Woods Edge app, or you can come by the church campus and find the ministry team's building, and there's a secure drop box, deposit box, right in the front of that ministry team building. Church, let's press into the 40-day prayer challenge. We're about halfway through uh, in the province of God. We just started this when the, the crisis really expanded, and so uh, we want to continue pressing in, praying for our city, for our country, and for the world. Now, church, uh, something new. During, the, during my time with the Lord this past Thursday, I, I, I've been praying and seeking God about how I can best communicate to you as a church family when we can't be face-to-face. And, and I, I believe God put it on my heart to do a, a daily devotional Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. Actually, I, I already did one Friday morning. But I'm going to start doing one Monday through Thursday. If you go to our website, to the Trust God, Love People um, page on our website and punch in about the Heart Talks daily video, you'll find it. And uh, also, church, just with those videos and the sermon videos and anything else that you find helpful, let me encourage you to send that out to family and friends who may not have a church home uh, just to encourage them because people are more open to the gospel during this season, so be sure sending out links during this time. Okay, church, here's our doxology. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love you guys.